Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Mixed martial arts and boxing fans, it's time for Fighter's Fury inside the heart of a champion with your hosts, Brendan Tobin, Seema, and Tommy Guns. It's time for Fighter's Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome on in, everybody. Fighter's Fury here on 790 The Ticket. Tobin here with you as we are going to go all over the world of mixed martial arts and boxing. Big UFC week coming up next week. We got UFC 226. The heavyweight title of the world is on the line. Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic, Las Vegas. Got the featherweight title on the line. Max Holloway, Brian Ortega. Monster heavyweight fight between Francis Ngannou and Derek Lewis. And a lot of other great bouts. That will be going down in Sin City. We'll get to that in just a bit. I want to start off with this today. Um, we had news this week of the Deontay Wilder, Anthony Joshua negotiations coming to an impasse. That fight looks dead for right now. It was supposed to be uh, looking for sometime later in the fall. And it, it is getting to the territory of Pacquiao Mayweather when it comes to these failed negotiations. And all these people speaking for the fighters, mostly on the side of Anthony Joshua. I haven't heard a peep from him when it comes to where he wants this fight, where it stands with this fight. The only time you ever really hear from the guy, it seems, is when it's after about. And I think that's disappointing. I think it's disappointing for Anthony Joshua to not want this fight and to parade around with these so-called contenders and allow other belt sanctions when you're the unified heavyweight champion of the world you should fight who you want when you want and you shouldn't be bullied around by any one strap that you have when you have all of them basically you should tell the sanctioning bodies i will fight whom i please when i please and if you strip the only credibility you're hurting is your belt i talked about this with the with the Gennady golovkin fight where he was being threatened to take away his ibf title and it says the only bad news that is is for the ibf because they lose credibility. Gennady Golovkin doesn't lose credibility. Your sanctioned body loses credibility. But the problem here is you are allowing a escape clause to get out of a fight that should really be determining who the unified heavyweight champion of the world is. And this is what I don't like with these negotiations for these super fights. We hear a lot of chirping from promoters, and I get it. It's their gig. They're supposed to be out there chirping for their fighters, hyping the fight. But what they do is they discredit the fight in itself. They go out there and they try and make it seem like the other guy's a coward. The other fighter's out there and he's running scared. He's not making these. I don't want to hear about that. I don't want to hear about the negotiations and the emails you guys have on going back and forth. I also don't want to hear about contracts that haven't been signed or gone through. You know, when it's a fight of this magnitude, I imagine you got staffs that go through these contracts, could comb over it with the fine-tooth comb. I imagine you pay those lawyers handsomely enough that the details could be squared away. What this is is fake posturing from Anthony Joshua's side because he's the one that has all the options. Deontay Wilder really doesn't have any options. And when you're a man with no options, 
you're going to go out there and try and get the biggest fish. When you're Anthony Joshua and you have a lot of parachutes as to where you can go, you come out with things and people on your side come out with things like, ah, well, you know what? You had this certain amount of time to get back to us. Now we got to go do what the WBA said. No, 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 no. If there was at any point an opportunity for the WBA to say, oh, we get to be part of the unified championship of the world, there's no reason in hell why they wouldn't put off a fight with Alexander Povetkin, a man who has popped for performance-enhancing drugs multiple times, a guy that Deontay Wilder agreed to fight and go over to Russia. It's nonsense. It's a nonsense escape clause from Anthony Joshua's side. I get it. You're the A-side. You're the big cash cow here. You got an entire nation behind you. you uh, you're the guy who knocked out Vladimir Klitschko. You got some legitimacy to you. However, that stuff is very fleeting with fight fans. And it can run out very, very quickly. You go out there and you have a great performance against Vladimir Klitschko. Fantastic. Nobody could take it away from you. It was an all-time heavyweight fight. You got up off the canvas after putting him down initially, came back and beat him in the 11th round. It's going to stand the test of time. It's going to be one an all-time performance now and forever. However, that stuff does run out. Eventually, people do forget, and they will remember you for your latest moments. And for right now, your last two fights against Carlos Takam, snooze fest, that you had a bogus stoppage with a ref that looked like he was on the take. Your next fight was against Joe Parker. It was a great replacement for Ambien, and that stuff will wane very, very quickly. It's not to take your credibility away, but the fan base and the boxing fans, even in your own nation, it will become very, very fleeting. And what the fans around boxing want is a unified heavyweight championship of the world. And from right now, the only person I hear talking about it is Deontay Wilder. I don't hear Anthony Joshua. I only hear Eddie Hearn. And that bothers me. You know, for the longest time, we went through the song and dance with Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. A lot of chirping through the media just for these two guys to keep their headlines busy. Bob Arum loved it. Floyd Mayweather loved it. But in reality, we never really got that fight until Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao happened to be sitting next to each other at a Heat Bucks game, and they actually talked for the first time ever. And what was it? The biggest grossing boxing match of all time. Life-changing. And for these guys, it may seem like that heavyweight division is very, very thick, but it's getting thin very, very quickly. And the options out there are getting very thin very, very quickly. And so we can sit here through this song and dance, and you can go out there and say, well, I'm going to fight Alexander Povetkin in September because otherwise the WBA is going to take my belt. Good. If I were Anthony Joshua and I would say, if you're going to threaten me, over a couple-week deadline, go. No one's going to give a rat's ass about your belt if you're not on Anthony Joshua or Deontay Wilder. It's going to mean nothing. It's going to be a paper belt. But if you want your belt to have some credibility, it needs to be on the shoulders of one of those two guys. And if I'm any belt, if I, if I, and if you guys listen to the belts that much, if it means that much to you to keep those belts, if all of a sudden boxing belts have become the end-all, be-all, then all those sanctioning bodies, if they want to keep their credibility and they want their belts to mean something, if they want their belts to have some prestige, all of them should come together and say the only number one contenders, the WBC should go, our only number one contender is Anthony Joshua. The WBA, the WBO, the IBF, the IBA, they should all come together and say our only number one contender is Deontay Wilder. Now go fight. 
if you guys listen to it that much, if it means that much to you to keep those belts, if it if it if it is that much of a a, a step for you to get to a fight, if all Alexander Povetkin needs is to be ranked by some sanctioning body after pe- testing positive for PEDs, after having a scheduled fight with Deontay Wilder, if that's all it takes, then they should all come together and say, we want our belts to mean something. The belt is becoming less and less important in boxing. It's becoming nothing more than a promotional item. To really give it validity, there's nothing that's supposed to be more prestigious in combat sports than the heavyweight champion of the world. They should all come together and say, we want all our belts to mean the world. So, Anthony, the number one contender for your belt is Deontay Wilder. Deontay, the only number one contender for your belt is Anthony Joshua. That's it. And if they don't want to fight, if they keep wanting to do this song and dance left and right, then they can take away the belts. Then we'll see how quickly that gets done. Maybe it won't. Maybe they'll still say, nah, the money's what matters. That's what Floyd did. But if that's the if this is the if this is what's going to deter them, if this is such a big, big staple for them to determine what their next fight is, then those bodies have a responsibility to boxing fans, not to their whatever the hell it is, their 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 their, their conglomeration. They have a responsibility to boxing fans to dub the most legitimate champion in the world. We know who it is. It's these two guys. And if that's got to be a factor, make that happen. But what really needs to happen, and Lennox Lewis said this best this week, is you need to hear from Anthony Joshua this is the only fight he wants. If it's not, then I really don't know what, what defense can be made. I hear Deontay Wilder out there saying this is the fight that he wants. And... Seemingly, his plan Bs are Tyson Fury or fighting Luis Ortiz, a guy who nearly knocked him out again. So I know he's not out there looking for easy fights. But for Anthony Joshua, I mean, he's fighting a guy who's 50-50 to even make it to fight night. And the second guy, the backup plan is Dillian White, you know, the second most famous guy in Eddie Hearn's stable and a guy he's already beaten. So what am I supposed to make of that? I mean, Eddie Hearn can say all that he wants, but... If I'm, if I'm to look at the factors around the fight, what do I take from that? I'm not trying to hear to sit here and discredit Anthony Joshua. The dude's an all-timer. He's number one in the world, slightly ahead of Deontay Wilder. But if number two's out there saying, I'll fight the former lineal heavyweight champion of the world or I'll fight a guy who nearly knocked me out of the ring, I mean, who, who, what am I supposed to say for the guy who's, who's looking for tougher fights? I don't know. You know, he was losing that fight with Luis Ortiz. He wants to fight him again. Tyson Fury, huge, awkward, terrible matchup for Deontay Wilder. Says he'll fight him. So what am I supposed to make of that? Uh, Of who's who's the person who's really ducking for the fight? No, we know it's Anthony Joshua. I mean, look, put logic to it. Deontay Wilder's going to go fight Tyson Fury for a fraction of what this fight would be. He's going to fight Luis Ortiz for probably even less than what he took the first time they fought to fight, Anthony Joshua can still fill an arena and fight whomever the WBA dubs worthy or fight a guy he's already cleaned his clock. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who's putting this stuff off. Come on, man. You know they want to put Deontay Wilder off as far as possible, make him 34, 
make him 35, whatever it may be, to finally solidify that matchup. And maybe it ends up being that these guys are longer rivals and they do more buys than ever. But here's the thing. Maybe the money will get a little bit bigger for him. But I don't think you're ever going to be able to fool Finch the way they were with Manny and Floyd again. Because, yes, ultimately those guys did get to fight and have the biggest grossing boxing match of all time. But nobody looks back on that fight favorably. So when Floyd's out here and he's buying $18 million watches, which is a load of baloney, not real. It's a fake story. When he's out here and Manny Pacquiao is, you know, scrounging to make the Lucas Matisse fight, don't even know if it's really going to happen. Those guys, they could have had that fight in their prime. They could have been all time. It could have been remembered forever. Instead, it's going to be looked upon and saying, man, you guys really took us for that. You took us for a ride on that one. And that, that's what pisses off boxing fans. You're always taking us for a ride. You make it seem with this posturing in the media like, oh, no, no, no. He wants this. He wants. It's not that hard. It's not that. It's it's it's. It, 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 you think we haven't seen this song and dance a thousand times over? Oh no, this guy's scared. This guy. No, come on, man. Come on, stop with the nonsense. You guys are gonna both make wealth upon wealth with this fight, and all I hear is posturing from promoters and nonsense, mostly from Anthony Joshua's side, saying that you're gonna bend to what the WBA says. You want to be the WBA? Okay, WBA. If if walk you, you guys are gonna make me fight a dude who who is 50 50 to make fight night that's your number one contender don't be part of the collection then you mean nothing if that's the case their number one contender should be De- Deontay Wilder there should be no other debate about this every one of the belts that Anthony Joshua has their number one contender should be Deontay Wilder Deontay Wilder belt he should have one, one number one contender it should be Anthony Joshua that's it it's that simple if that's if that's if that's supposed to be the big deterrent here but we know it's not it's money it's posturing it's timing it's all it's all the other stuff but they want to make it seem like it's the belts that mean a lot we're back after this it's fighters fury on am 790 the ticket welcome back guys fighters fury here on 790 the ticket by the way i will pipe in with any updates on uh free agency that happened but nothing is Nothing has really gone crazy with it. The only thing uh, newsworthy, if you were sleeping last night, Paul George, he has re-upped four years with OKC. Chris Paul's re-upping with Houston. KD's re-upping with the Thunder. I would say the only thing out of the box that you probably didn't know is LeBron James is is uh, getting pursued hotly by the Denver Nuggets. Other than that, it's, uh, it's pretty quiet out there in free agent land. Uh, nothing earth-shattering right now. Uh, and as far as the World Cup is concerned right now, Spain is up on Russia, one nothing. And so I'd imagine that a lot of people on Spain, if you notice there's a lot of starters that are missing in the second half of this game, you'll know why. Putin gonna Putin. Very good. Um, so next week is a huge, huge UFC. Very, very big. Very excited about this. Heavyweight championship of the world. Fine. Th- the, the UFC, this is the one good thing about they do business right. Let's with 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 this heavyweight title. Right out of contenders. Stipe cleaned them all out. He's on a historic run as far as heavyweight defenses go. What do we do? Let's bring up the light heavyweight champion, undefeated at heavyweight. He was a heavy a heavyweight Grand Prix champion with Strike Force. Daniel Cormier. 
Very excited about this. Stipe versus DC. I don't think it's a wash. I think Stipe has his hands full with Daniel Cormier. Cormier is an amazing wrestler and is in a matchup here against Stipe that's a little bit more in the wheelhouse, a little bit more size range where he can win this fight where it's always been a problem where when he's fought John Jones, you know, John's has just got, he's got that untouchable range at times. And he's got those deadly, he's got those deadly kicks that have always been a problem for DC to get in there. I mean, the range problems with fighting John Jones has always been his best asset. He just keeps you at such a distance. That's why the only time we've seen him really look vulnerable is when he fought a guy his same size in Alexander Gustafson. Other than that, I mean, John Jones looks impenetrable. But this fight against Stipe Miocic, you know, you look at it and you say, well, Stipe's got to have the edge. He's used to fighting bigger guys. He just destroyed and demolished what looked like the most terrifying force in the heavyweight division in a long time in Francis Ngannou, dominated him for five rounds. He's knocked out Fabricio Verdum. He has beaten Alistair Overeem after taking a big shot, gotten off the canvas, come back to beat him soundly. He has been a unbelievable champion at heavyweight. That's why he holds the record. He's an absolute beast. And with this, you figure, okay, he doesn't quite have the versatility of a John Jones. He doesn't have the youth of a John Jones. He's a little bit up there as far as age is concerned. So all are all these heavyweight fights going to catch up with him a little bit? Uh, DC's only looked vulnerable really against one man in his entire career. And that's, and that's the best fighter that, to ever walk the planet. And Stipe, though he has won, has had moments where he has looked vulnerable. He's a, he's a guy who has truly lost, where John Jones has only lost via steroids and illegal strikes. Other than that, no, he hasn't. Um, so I look at this matchup and I just say, yeah, I, I think I think that DC is going to have something here as far as getting to Daniel Cormier. Now, does he have enough to beat him? I mean, it's it, it, that that is that is the big question because if DC does beat him, he's going to have to put himself in the line of fire like he did with a Anthony Josh, uh, an Anthony Joshua, uh, an Anthony Johnson. Uh, but the thing with Rumble. Even with Rumble, when he beat him, he took a very, very devastating shot in that first fight that nobody wakes up from. It, and that, and that's, that's really when you talk about DC and you talk about his credibility as a champion. Yeah, that's, it's always going to be out there that he never beat John Jones. But it doesn't mean, just because you're not the best fighter to ever do it, it doesn't mean that you're not damn excellent. So there's a couple things with this fight where I look at it and say, I wish they would stop doing I wish they would stop saying that this fight is for the GOAT status because I think Stipe's already solidified himself as one of the best heavyweights of all time, if not the best heavyweight of all time. I think the only person who's really arguable in that discussion is Cain Velasquez. But, you know, Cain's been hurt. So Stipe's broken his record of defenses. If he loses to Daniel Cormier, well, people are like, well, he lost to a light heavyweight. He didn't lose to a light heavyweight. Look, Daniel Cormier has been struggling mightily to get to 205 now for a few fights. He's getting old. This might be his last fight. And the fact that he was just doing this way. Look, the entire reason Daniel Cormier 
is a light heavyweight is because Cain Velasquez is his friend. That's it. It's not like he went into the UFC and is like, hey, uh, I'd really, really like to to stop eating and starving myself. You know, I got this big belly. Not the most physically uh, appealing person in the world. Doesn't look like your normal fighter. Comes in there with a little bit of a belly, a little bit of a pooch, but that's his body type, man. And I, w- I would guarantee you, if Cain Velasquez wasn't his buddy and he came into the UFC, that he would have been a heavyweight. He wouldn't have even had these matchups with John Jones. That have been awesome as far as the personal jabs these guys take at each other. It has been full of drama. I'll take it all the time. These guys re-engaged in another Twitter beef this past week. I was just, I love it. I love the fact that these guys will never ever like each other. You know, they can they can they can slap hands all they want after the competition's over, but deep down they hate each other's guts. It'll always be that way. You know, DC will always be the good guy that'll never get acceptance in that matchup. John Jones will always be the bad guy, the fan favorite but is still going to have that hint of doubt over him from these these matchups because we never got to see it clean. But it doesn't mean that he's not the better fighter. And I know that makes it weird for some guys to accept, but it's just the way I look at it. It's, it's tough to get those, those visuals out of your head that John Jones under USADA keeps popping. But if I were to look at it and I say, I give DC all the steroids he wants. Horse steroids, bull steroids, whatever they got, what the best stuff they got south of the border, the best stuff Miami has to offer in the Bain Lab. And I just juice him to the gills. Does he still beat John Jones? I don't think so. It may be a weird way to look at things, but that's that that's that's the way I, I look at these two. I'm like, if I gave him everything under the sun. If I gave, and, and and he was willing to take it, and John was willing to sign off. Boys, we got to do this thing pride style. Whatever it takes, whatever it goes. Does Daniel Cormier still beat him? No. John Jones is a better fighter. But doesn't mean he hasn't bleeped up. Doesn't mean that it's not frustrating as a, as a UFC fan that that matchup has that hint of doubt over it. And really puts DC in this awkward position. You know, there's two things that have... Daniel's such a nice guy. He's such a nice guy. And it's funny that two things that he has... You know, that that he's really done to appease people have gotten him ripped. And it's like, well, he fought at light heavyweight just to appease his best friend who held the status as best heavyweight on the planet and Cain Velasquez. So he was being polite there. And then with this John Jones thing, it's like, look... It's not DC's fault that the that the, the system with this is you pop for, for something that's illegal and the belt gets stripped for you me, from you and put back to the former champ. That's not DC's problem. Should DC walk around there saying, well, if I win this fight, I'm the GOAT? Probably not. Probably not. And I think that's a that's a that's a false sense there. Does it does does he go down as an all-time great? Absolutely. If he beats Stipe Miosic. And you don't think Daniel Cormier is an all-time great, where he's beaten the likes of Rumble Johnson, Alexander Gustafson, Josh Barnett, and Stipe Miocic. If you don't think that makes you an all-time great, I don't know what he's got to do for you. Because he couldn't beat the best guy to ever do it? Seems dumb to me.
And, and at that point, I think you just you you you're just blatantly hating on Daniel Cormier's career because you don't like how he carries himself, or you think he's annoying because he he likes to tell these go. Yeah, it's a little annoying. Yeah, it's a little cheesy. But if he does win this fight, he's solidified as, as an all-time great. If he doesn't win this fight, I do think there's going to be a little bit of ridicule, a little more ridicule that falls his way. That when it really got to the creme de la creme, when it really got to the all-time top guys, DC just wasn't there. Yeah, you could win in a thin 205 division. You could win against Rumble Johnson, who will gas out, or an Alexander Gustafson, who whose kryptonite is wrestling. You could beat those guys, but deep down when it came to to those those top, top guys, he wasn't there. And that's fine. But I do think this is a really, really, this is a big legacy fight for Daniel Cormier. I think even more so than it is for Stipe. Because if Stipe loses to DC, I wouldn't be surprised if they rematch. But his streak can't be taken away for right now. Right now, his streak stands at the most title defenses ever at heavyweight. I would imagine if DC wins this fight, there's a couple things that are out there. Maybe for both guys, whoever wins may fight Brock Lesnar. That'd be pretty cool. Maybe they fight John Jones if he gets healthy. Maybe John's more interested in fighting for the heavyweight title. He said that this week in his uh, his little Twitter rant at Daniel Cormier. Maybe he's more interested in that than he is going to fight Alexander Gustafson again, a, a fight with little reward, the toughest fight you've ever had. And if DC retires, and that's going to be for the interim belt or or the new undisputed belt, I don't know if, if John's down with that. I don't know. I think the big prize here for everybody involved, all parties, is you want to get the Brock Lesnar fight because obviously that's it's the big payday. It's going to be it, – it'll be huge no matter who Brock fights in his next fight, especially if it is for a title fight. A little messed up that it would be for a title fight, but – those seem to be the rumblings out there that whenever Brock comes back, he's going to be fighting either John Jones or he's going to be fight the winner of this fight. So it's either for a title or it's against the greatest of all time to do it. So Brock's going to get his reward either way. Uh, and and your reward is to fight this other dude who, you know, Brock Lesnar's as, as big as they come. I mean, the dude oozes HGH, slathered in a little Deca, whatever, whatever else you want to slide on the side. I mean, he is... It's 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 like it's like Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. That's 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 what we have with Brock Lesnar. He is Shredder, Super Shredder. That's what he is. It, it's it's taking on a monster, not a skilled monster. I mean, he is a big galoot. That's his skill. His skill is being bigger than everybody and raining down ground and pound on you. And if you have skilled striking, you probably could beat him. So I would think that if you were to look at that trio of Stipe, John Jones, Daniel Cormier. The guy who's in for the roughest night is Daniel Cormier. Stipe, amazing boxer. think he could probably pick Brock Lesnar apart. John Jones, I think he could destroy him. Um, but DC, that, that, that's, a, that's a tough matchup for, for Brock. Very, very tough matchup. I'd be interested to see how DC tries to go tackle that one. But as far as this matchup this week, for me, um, though I'd like to see the Daniel Cormier story, I think that'd be really, really cool. The versatility of Stipe, still a big dude. Not the John Jones reach. So I think Daniel Cormier would be a less less fearful to be in his kitchen. Or it's less of a risk to be in Stipe's kitchen. But this can't be ignored. 
if you want to talk about knockout power, Stipe has John by a long shot, by a lot. I mean, the fact that John was able to stop DC with that head kick it wasn't John's style. John doesn't stop a lot of fights, especially recently. So you're going into the buzzsaw when you're going against Stipe. I mean, this last fight against Francis Ngannou, it's his first decision fight, his first decision win in four years. The guy stops fights. He wins fights by knockout. And we've seen that DC susceptible. That chin is been at the point where it's put him to the canvas a couple of times. And for Stipe, he is skilled enough in wrestling where I feel like he can avoid DC's bread and butter. I mean, I think Daniel's definitely next level when it comes to takedowns. But it almost feels like with this fight, like we just saw this with Colby versus RDA. And I said in that preview, I thought RDA was going to win because I felt like he had more ways to win. But Colby just overwhelmed him with pace and was always in his kitchen. It feels like DC's got to fight the same way. But we're talking 265. We're talking, well, more like 235, 240. Talking big boys. So that mistake there, those shots that Kobe was able to walk through when it came to the RDA fight, is DC going to be able to with Steve Amiosic? I don't know. Uh, when we come back, we'll run down a little bit more of UFC 226, the rest of the matchups, and a little preview of what's going down next Friday night at the Hard Rock Hometown Throwdown. We're back after this. It's Fighters Fury on AM790, The Ticket. Welcome back, everybody. Fighters Fury here on 790, The Ticket. Tobin here with you. UFC 226 is next week. We talked about the heavyweight matchup. Uh, a few matchups that I want to get into. Um, Max Holloway is taking on Brian Ortega. What a hell of a fight this is. Max Holloway, if you don't recall, he was recently supposed to fight at UFC 223. He was supposed to be the fill-in for the lightweight title when that fell out, when Tony Ferguson ripped up his knee and was supposed to be fighting Khabib. And he ended up coming into that week having to cut 30 pounds. Uh, you guys know the rest. There was a huge chaos, not only from uh, from Busgate, but he wasn't able to make weight. They were scrambling to get somebody. Uh, some guys weren't exactly on weight. They were, you know, tenths of a pound over. You got to be 155 exactly. And Max Holloway... Uh, was 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 stopped from cutting weight. The commission stepped in. The commission has been stepping in a lot on these weight cuts. They get nervous with it. They don't want to make it seem like they're pushing too hard for these fighters to uh, to get to the scales. So Max goes down to his natural weight here. He's actually got a full training camp to get ready. So I don't imagine that's going to be an issue for the 145 champ. He is taking on a guy in Brian Ortega, who is an absolute, who's on an absolute roll right now. He is. Uh, he's been very very impressive. The thing that's most impressive about Brian, though. You know, a lot of people looked at Brian Ortega and thought he was this one-trick pony. He's got probably the most dangerous submission game at featherweight, but he cracked Frankie Edgar so hard in his last win. You were just like, oh, oh, this looks absolutely different now. He's not just he's not just the guy who goes out there and wins via submission that's always looking for a choke, even though his chokes are as deadly as they get in this game. He's going out there, and he's looking for now an opportunity to go and stop you. Um, it's it's dangerous. It's dangerous when it comes to to Brian Ortega. Now, Max, for as young as he is, he is 26 years old. He has been in an absolute role, and 
stopped Jose Aldo now on back-to-back fights. He hasn't fought since December, so he's he's been off for a little bit after trying to make that crazy, crazy weight cut. Um, I don't know how you're not a fan of, of Max Holloway. He's about as likable as it gets as a champion. He goes in there. He's got an exciting style. He, he just blows you up with volume. Um, the only thing I would say here, if you're going to look size-wise, you know, Max is a very, very skinny 145-er. He's, he's got that 5'11 long reach, lanky. Brian Ortega, probably a little more properly built for 145. Maybe he could be a 155 or two one day. Uh, has fought at lightweight before. So, you know, there may be this thing where Max is uh, maybe maybe Brian is he's got that big old dome. Uh, is he able to to really put enough of a pounding on him to stop him? The thing I would say with these two guys is, you know, Brian all shocked us with that stoppage that he was able to get over Frankie Edgar, and we were like, whoa, this guy has got some really really tricky stuff that he can come out there with that's absolutely devastating. Whether it was a knee against Clay Guida or the elbow that he stopped Frankie Edgar with. Max, you know, is just going to be versatile and volume and his striking expertise just seems at another level. On the other side of that, you could say the same thing about Brian. You know, maybe Max will come out with a stoppage every now and then with a submission, but normally we know how he's going to go about his business and go and winning. And if these two were to get to the ground, um, that would be very, very dangerous for Max Holloway because I don't know if he's really been in there with a shark like Brian Ortega on the ground. I mean... Looking at his recent opponents, you know, Charles Oliveira is probably the next guy where you would look at and say, yeah, it's super dangerous. You know, Jose, obviously he's got the he's got the credentials of that, but that's just not how Jose fights. He doesn't go looking for the submission anymore. Uh, hasn't been for a long time. Anthony Pettis, same way. You know, it's it's a stand-up striking fight. Ricardo Lamas, bring some wrestling to it. We know he had that exciting finish. Uh, Jeremy Stevens, same thing. Guy likes to stand and bang. So... If we were to look at that matchup, this is a very, very unique test for Max Holloway. Very, very unique. Um, but he does feel a cut above right now. And he's and he's just he's been rising to the occasion um every time he steps in there. So I'm I'm gonna pick Max Holloway to win this fight. I think he ends up stopping it late. But um different type of test. Different type of test. The other fight in this in this card that is I I, I just can't wait for it. Francis Ngannou against Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Derek Lewis said it best. Like the he put out stipulations for this fight. He wanted five minute breaks between each each round, one minute rounds, uh minus points if anybody tries for a takedown. This is the ultimate firefight. You want to see these two guys go in there, stand, bang, who's gonna walk out face down in the canvas. It is an absolute slug fest. France Ngannou got some of those Violent knockouts out there. Unbelievable power. But he does have this going against him. And that is, we have now seen Francis Ngannou vulnerable. We have seen the way to beat him. But with Derek, does he have those tools to go beat him the way Stipe did? Stipe beat him with pace, wore him down. And it's not like Derek Lewis is the the end-all, be-all of cardio. So... We, the, the only thing I'll say about Derek, we've seen before Derek take a beating, come back, and knock his opponent out. Not necessarily, we haven't necessarily seen that with Francis. So if he is able to drag this a little bit longer, I still think there's an opportunity for Derek to go out there and win the fight. With, with Francis, 
He's just so damn big. There's so much muscle on him. Is he able to fuel that for more than five minutes and be a legitimate threat? I guess he's always a legitimate threat. If you're that big and you're wailing those punches, you always can do damage. But the problem is those arms are so damn big. You know, once we get to a second round, is he going to be able to lift those arms up? We know De- Derek doesn't exactly have that muscular physique. Derek's got some cardio issues, but it's not like he's got this huge muscular body that he's got to that he's got to flow a lot of oxygen oxygen through. And I, look, uh, I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a homer for Derek Lewis. I love Derek Lewis, so I'm picking him. But obviously, this is one of those coin flip fights where I think anything can go wrong. I just feel like feel like I've seen Derek Lewis. If things go are going awry, face a little bit more adversity. He's been able to come back with Francis. Things have been going pretty perfect for him. And when he faced a little adversity, it really, really went south on him. And and that was discouraging to see. So I'm going to go with Derek Lewis to win that fight. Um, and then we got Michael Chiesa taking on Anthony Pettis. This fight was supposed to go down at UFC 223. Both these guys. Well, Michael Chiesa was taken out of his fight because of the Conor McGregor bus incident. So he's finally back in action. Michael Giesa came out this week. He said, bleep Conor McGregor. He uh, he lost a title fight because of him. Uh, Michael revealed that he was supposed to be the backup plan. If, for some reason, Max Holloway couldn't go, Giesa was supposed to step in. Now, obviously, because of the bus incident, he was unable to do so. The commission wouldn't let him fight. Uh, Anthony Pettis has been a little bit on a downward trajectory. I mean, it's been, it's been rough sledding for Showtime. You're talking about a guy who... Just, I mean, it was absolutely one of the studs of the sport. I mean, people thought that that Anthony Pettis was going to be the next big thing when it came to fighting, you know, run off the cage, kick you upside the head, Benson Henderson. And we just haven't seen that with Anthony lately. You know, if it's not one thing, it's another, whether it's a, you know, he had an absolute great fight with, with Dustin Poirier, but had a cracked rib that happened, uh, lost a rough fight to Max Holloway to in an in a, in a, in a attempt to win at featherweight. So he did the featherweight cut. Just has been going downhill for him. Um, I, I feel like Kiesa is just uh, just more in that window right now. But if he were to get a win, that'd be huge for Anthony Pettis to see him get back into the fold there. So that's what we got going down next week. He also got some really great fights. Uriah Hall, Paulo Costa, really, really great fight. Uh, Uriah Hall's got some proving to do after missing weight from his, uh, his last fight. Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. This is crazy. Uh, really, really fun fight. But also, Donald Cerrone, who just lost this past week in Singapore, offered to fight up Mike Perry because that's the kind of guy that Donald Cerrone is. He had a medical suspension, so they wouldn't let him do it. He also just welcomed in a uh, a uh, a child into the world. So he's uh, he's already looking out there to go and, and provide for his kid. So that's the, that's, that's the kind of craziness that we see with Donald Cerrone, but it's not surprising to read that. But Paul Felder versus Mike Perry. Not too shabby um, for what fell out for that one. And that's what we got going on, man, next week. It's going to be a really, really, really fun fight. Also next week, I'm very much looking forward to this. Shout out to uh, to Harold Calderon, who we had in the studio a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Miami guy, he is going to be main eventing against J.D. Martinez in the hometown throwdown at the Hard Rock. Very much looking forward to this car that's coming up next Friday. Uh, the whole midday show, we're going uh, to go check it out and be in the building for this one. Uh, I was down at Media Day yesterday. Calderon looks very, very sharp. He looks in great shape. Uh, His team is very, very confident. 
about how he's looking going into this as he looks to improve to 17 and 0. So that's a great one. I know I'm also looking forward to seeing. Uh, I want to see this Ivan DeCheco in person again. The last time this guy fought, the the this dude is a six. I think he's six eight six nine Russian, and trains locally. The shot that he hit this last opponent with, I guess it was April. I think it was. Looked like he he hit the guy had this delayed reaction tase. I mean, he is a dangerous dude. He looks like Drago in the flesh. That's the kind of power this guy possesses. So he's gonna be fighting closer to the main event and i gotta say i'm looking forward to seeing that live and in person next week at the hard rock so you guys if you're looking for some local action that's what's coming up um in town next friday night july 6th fun way to start the uh is it really a holiday weekend because you know july 4th is a wednesday this week so it's not really the it's not really the holiday weekend but nevertheless uh, you got a local guy in Harold Calderon taking on J.D. Martinez. A lot of local guys. Jesse Cruz, guy who trains down here. He's going to be fighting as well. Uh, you got a lot of guys from Miami-Dade, Broward Palm Beach on this card. Guys who train down here. Uh, that will put on a good show for you. So if you guys are looking for some local action, that's what's going on as well. Really, really fun night of fights that are coming up uh, in, the, uh, in boxing, in the sweet science, over at the Hard Rock. Before we get out of here, I do want to mention this. Uh, Johnny Hendricks officially retired from mixed martial arts. And it bummed me out a little bit to see this because, you know, Johnny was on such a roll. His his rise to prominence in the UFC with his knockout streak was so, so impressive. Gave us a couple of really thrilling fights. He had a real triumvirate of him where a lot of people thought that he beat George St. Pierre right before George St. Pierre stepped away from the fight. And after that ended up fighting Robbie Lawler for the title, won it on a very, very close fight, fought Robbie Lawler again, lost it on a very, very close fight, and then just really was never the same. Never the same guy, um, never possessed the same way. He had a really, really bad bicep injury that I think thwarted some of his power. He's also been a guy that people have speculated ever since USADA came around, just it was never the same. But an all-around good dude, very, very... um, it was always enjoyable speaking to Johnny Hendricks. I think we've, we've probably interviewed him a handful of times on this show. And just always gracious with his time. Very, very, uh, very, very nice dude. And wishing him the best of luck. You know, he's not he's not tremendously over the hill, but just every time we saw him out there, it just wasn't the same guy. It wasn't, wasn't the guy that, that, that rose to championship prominence. So um, he's calling it a career. And a lot of guys don't recognize when it is time. He thinks that it is time and is, is hoping to get out before things get real, real bad with him. And you just wish him the best of luck. You wish him the best of luck in his, in his post-career life because uh, he's, a, he's a very, very pleasant person to deal with and put on a lot of great fights for UFC fans. So wishing Johnny Hendrick the best of luck in retirement. Uh, Captain Curtis coming up for the next few hours. He'll take you with your local sports talk. By the way, did Russia tie it? Of course Russia tied it because it's in the bag. They know. They tried to make it look good with the Spain score, and of course Russia tied it. And, uh, and all the free agent notes that are happening. It's going to presumably be a very busy day once everybody is up on the West Coast as LeBron James is in Los Angeles. Um, maybe we'll find out his free agent decision today. Who knows? We'll be back and talk to you guys. Same time, same place next week. Fighters Fury. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? 
Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.